0: Welcome to the Deep printer Movies Podcast. My name is Stephen T. Hanley. I'm the founder and lead creator of Deep printer Movies. We are a pop-up cinema based in London and New York. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Edinburgh's finest, Irvin Welsh. Irvin joined me to discuss his career as an author and a screenwriter, and to talk about his new TV series, Crime. Adapted from his 2008 novel of the same name. It's a six part series now available for streaming on the UK platform BritBox. It follows a police officer trying to hunt and find a missing girl in Edinburgh. And as I said to Irvin during our interview, it's so good. It feels like the classic British tight TV police procedural, but through Irvin Welshworld with drug addicts, prostitutes, dead cats. What is it with the dead cats? Anyway, it was a great chat. Here is me and Irvin Welsh. Where about are you? Northwest London. All right, great. You? Did you move to Dublin or are you back in?
1: I'm actually um, back here in Edinburgh now, so I'm back in my hometown.
0: Nice. I really enjoyed the show. I watched the first three episodes, and I'm saving the other three for the weekend.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, episode four is the one where it really kicks off.
0: Oh shit. Okay, that's exciting.
1: I think the. If you enjoy the first three, you're in for a treat because the second three are just really take it on to another level.
0: How did you find adapting your own book? Um, Over TV medium in general?
1: Yeah, the good thing was we only had 25% of the book because we were going to do it as a Miami story originally, and then we switched back to Edinburgh because it was easier to get made. Uh, So we had a, you know, it was like um, we had the skeleton of the story in the book. Uh, as a backstory, as a kind of origin story, and uh, we just went back. We 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 had because we had to do a lot more work. It was it was fun, you know. We, we could we could re, kind of really reshape it as. So it felt like doing an original screenplay rather a uh, teleplay rather than an adaptation. Yeah.
0: And how was it cutting out your? Obviously, you said you kept it to the Edinburgh, so you kept out the whole Miami, Florida section.
1: Yeah, we've still got them. We've got another six or seven. Um, uh, screenplays, with you know, we've basically got a sequel if we get the money to shoot in Miami. You know, so hopefully, <laughs> maybe we will.
0: And how, how do you find the TV writing process?
1: Well, I mean, it's a bit, you know, the the thing is, it is a bit like kind of writing for the screen, but uh, because it's um, because it's episodic and more involved, uh, that you 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 feel um, the great thing about a movie is that uh, you know. Once it's done, you know, you know, you you might have some ADR to after doing all that, and afterwards it's, it's out the road. But um, this is kind of, because this is almost you know, it's in installments and it's kind of shot, um, kind of roughly in installments. Like you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, but it's uh, that um, you know, you 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 feel that it's a it's a kind of bigger job, really. You know, you, it's, it's it tends to be more immersive, and I think that. Um, just TV, you know, you know, the, the, in, the, in movies, the director is kind of king as of, the main person, but um, so the onus is always on the director more in a, in a movie, whereas um, it's the same, you know, it's basically the same job on um, on TV, but uh, for some reason, you know, the onus is much more on the writer. The writer seems to be the more kind of um, the person that everybody goes to as a sort of, um, is a kind of go-to person, really, you know? Uh, and that's just you know that's just custom and practice and kind of um tradition and all that but uh it's, it's it's interesting it makes me think a lot more about, about um about movies and the you know the, the the working relationships within movies and um the way the the directors kind of um pushed into this role of auteur who and they and they might not necessarily be you know they might not uh, and um i mean it's like uh i can't really. See the difference between what, um, say, James Strong does as a director on mm-hmm. um, on crime, and uh, you know, like uh, like my friend John Baird does as a director on filth. You know, they're both directing this this kind of um, they're, they're directing actors in these scenes, and they're editing and putting it together and all that, and they're doing you know, they're developing the scripts and you know working with them, all the different departments. Um, but it's like uh, it's, you know, but the, 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 there's a much different profile that uh, the, the director has in, in film, and that's just, you know, that's just a historical thing. So that's quite interesting. and You know, it's, you know so it's it's nice working in the TV because you, you feel that you're, um, you feel that you're, okay, <laughs> you feel like you're the main man, basically, mm-hmm. rather than the second banana, you know, whereas, like, um, you don't, in, in film, often you feel that you're just this guy who's um, who's written a script and then it's forgotten about basically, you know, so it's a a different thing, because the writer is normally one of the executive producers in TV, but not not quite so normal for film.
0: Yes, interesting, because I know people say on TV shows, the writer is basically king, and often with, say, like a series like Sopranos or Mad Men, they'll just bring in skilled directors to shoot the scripts for each episode and you but you're basically the tone is already set and you have to just carry it through
1: well that's the thing and it's like you know you work with a great director in filaments you know and you, and you think you know this director is going to you know they have a vision of how they're going to do this and all that and yeah and then you have this idea that in television Somebody just shows up and shoots his, shoots pages basically, but yeah. it isn't really that way at all. You know, it's like the, the you know the, the the I think the because there's so much more money in TV now, you know, the, the relationships changing. But because the relationships changing in TV, I think it's putting calling into question more of the, the relationships in film. Um, more, I mean, I think that uh, because of the way that the film industry is kind of sort of going now, it's very hard to get. Um, to get the kind of sweet spot movies financed mm. around about kind of three to 10 million is really, really difficult. But so there's big blockbusters now that are getting financed. And the director now uh, in big movies is a manager, just managing dif- huge different departments, like mm. you know almost like huge corporate departments. I think that's where the, the skill lies is to try to get the vision kind of, uh, you know, sort of some one person holding it together uh, t- to. To, to do to have this kind of vision and pull it all you know, and to pull it all together. Whereas it's like TV, I think is much more um, is much more corporate in a way. You know, it's like there's people people are working. You know, there's a core group of people who are working together to try and make the thing happen. You know, there's not a a standout um, there's not a standout figurehead. It's, you know, and if it, if it is anybody, it's probably the writer or possibly the producer or maybe even the, the lead actor if they're a producer as well in the case of Dugre. Uh, so it's it's a much more, um, it's interesting for me, you know, to see these changing relationships, you know, having worked in both the cinema and now TV. Um, and I, you know, I'd worked in TV before in the States, but uh, to see, um, to see these relationships all change is going to just, is absolutely fascinating. And it's going it's to, it's a lot, so much of it is, is down to the technology. You know, the idea that we've now got to, um, we need big budgets and TV because because people have got massive home screens and kind of stereo mm-hmm. surrounds and all that kind of stuff, you know. So they're not going to want to watch everything shot in a little box.
0: Yeah, it was funny because I was thinking it's it's a conversation we have a lot between my movie friends that they say with with all her directors that the script can only do so much, and it's almost thinking like if Train was anyone in anyone else's hands, because I think because you're. Book is so much about the style and the language. In the wrong hands, that could have been a completely different movie.
1: It would have been terrible. And uh, I think with um, it was you know it was very much um, it was like without Danny and uh, Andrew and kind of John maybe maybe even more particularly that I think that it would have been a a really worthy. Kind of uh, really boring film. It would have been like Christian F or something like that, you know. It would, you know, it's, you can't, you know, it's like it would have been a, a sort of um, a real kind of chin stroking. Oh, isn't, isn't this terrible? We all wanted to do one about youth. We weren't really bothered about drugs, you know. We're kind you know, it's like we um, were more, you know. And that's what to me, that's what the, the book was all about. It was about the the vibrancy of youth in the most adverse of circumstances, and um, Danny and um, uh, John and Andrew got that straight away. You know, they, they they were determined that it was going to be a youth movie. It wasn't going to be about, um, it wasn't going to be a movie about despair. You know, there's going to be really dark elements in it, but there's um, that, um, you know, when you, when people, when, when people are young and they're teens and early 20s, they've got a tremendous sense of immortality and bounce back ability and all that, you know, and that's what we wanted to capture.
0: I was going through my bookshelf earlier and I picked out my copy of *Train Spotting*. And you might get a kick out of this. I took my school class when I was fifteen to go see *Train Spotting*, the theatre play.
1: All right, great, the ambassadors, yeah. Yeah,
0: and I convinced my drama teacher to take everyone. They were horrified. They didn't know the subject matter. You
1: know, my memory of that is that uh, that the you know because the, the West End, it was like uh, it was they were so unused to people coming up with cash because nobody had credit cards, you know, because yeah. as, as a younger, more got, as a younger, kind of punkier crowd, and they didn't have any credit cards, you know, so uh, they're used to dealing with kind of West End, well-heeled types, just kind of putting their credit cards down. Um, so they were having to handle all this cash, and it was taking ages, and the, 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 the thing started half an hour later, which is kind of unheard of in the West End basically, you know it's, you know, the, the curtain goes up at the, the the right time all the time, you know, so that was a that was a strange experience you know, especially in a, a gold leaf and kind of red velvet theatre like the Ambassadors
0: Yeah, my teacher had no clue what to expect and then my whole, it alienated my entire class and I was just a guy who <laughs> dragged everyone to see a naked man on stage and they had to pay for it <laughs> Going back to crime, the thing I love so much about it is you've almost taken the format of the BBC ITV crime drama, but it's completely steeped in Urban World with, you know, dead cats, pedophiles, drug addicts, black comedy. But you're straddling the two so well.
1: Yeah, but well, we kind of um we thought originally that we were gonna it an ITV which kind of wouldn't have worked. It was going to be, had to be behind the paywall. But, you know, we, so we were thinking about the ITV audience is older and more steeped in police procedural. And, you know, so, I mean, I always saw the whole thing as a, a kind of twisted psychological thriller. And uh, I'd sort of, uh, you know, I, I've kind of, um, because I lived in the States for 10 years, uh, I mean, I don't have a TV right now over here, but, America is such a television society. I've never, you know, you, you, when you go to a hotel in America, the first thing you do is you put on TV, the TV. You know, um, you just do it's just something you've almost programmed to do in America. And so I watched, I, I watched all these HBO dramas, and I, I kind of I worked on um, a couple of dramas with HBO. Uh, so I got kind of steeped in that whole thing. I, you know, I wanted it to be like, um, I wanted it to be more like True Detective than The Bill. I'm um, sort of, you know, that that's, and we wanted it to look, we wanted it to look cinematic, you know, we had a, a great um, DOP and Mo Pew who just shot Edinburgh on this big kind of sort of broad kind of, uh, kind of sort of big lit kind of big skyway and um, uh, a great, um, you know, a great production designer and Tom, you know, it's Tom Sawyer. So we just, mm-hmm. uh, so we were just really, how it looked and uh, and also how the characters were you know we didn't want any like kind of um, gov or mom in the screenplay, and screenplay we didn't want any kind of sure. cop number three you know everybody the, the, the ambition was that you can take any character out there and even the, you know even the postman or whatever you can but you can make them a standalone character in a spin-off you know, it was like uh, everybody, even the smallest character, this, the, the the smallest screen time character, they had to punch the weight dramatically. That's a huge scene. You know, that's a big drama scene. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you look at um, like uh, like Glover and um, uh, McCorkle, the, the the two younger cops who are tormented by confectioner. They both get kind of, you know have kind of quite big dramatic scenes in it even though they they might not get most that much airtime, but when when they do they're really doing something that's significant to the whole piece basically so that was what we wanted we wanted that that kind of thing we wanted a an expansive thing not everybody's, not everybodys stuck in a box we wanted to get the idea that um this guy wants to get out he wants to be out on not just on the, you know, the cliche of it being out in the streets but he wants to be breathing. He wants to be kind of feeling the pulse of the city and just hanging yeah. around. Yeah. He doesn't want to be hunched over a a, a, a kind of computer screen, just uh, just doing what what, what which a lot of cops do nowadays. It's just you know, it's just information trolling, you know. So uh, so he wants to be out there, and uh, it's you know just it just makes for a, a more dramatic and I think uh, visually interesting show. Um,
0: am I pronouncing right? Do Gray Scott yeah he is fantastic he's so committed his performance is so intense and there's so much behind the eyes you know the history is just all there
1: yeah i mean it's like he's, he took really wanted to do this for years you know he kind of um he's just so into it i mean he, when i was living in dublin he came across to dublin to to see me and to talk about it um And we just wanted to, we wanted to do it. And it was such a, we had it with different producers and with, you know, and then we, you know, it's like, it was just, it's such a, it's almost been gestating in him for 10 years, you know? So he really, he really let rip when he got to, when he he did the part and, you know, it asked a lot of him, it took a lot out of him um, and he just went with it, you know? And it's it's great when you, when you see an actor who's just so committed to doing something like that, you know? we're going to be doing the, the blade artist with Bobby Carlyle, who's reprising Begbie, and I think that's oh, wow. when you get a. boss the thing when you get an actor who really wants to play that part, and they're just, you know, they're they're a really good actor, and they just go for it in a secondary way. You know, you had. Um, and I had it, you know, with you know, I had it with um, the Trainspotting guys. I and mean, I was really, really lucky with James McAvoy and Filth, who just kind of, um just kind of tore the whole thing apart, you know. And that's what you want. You want to kind of get a a really committed lead actor. And if you, you know, if you if you have that, um, and then, you know, it's like if you have that, it, if it's a passion part for them, they just you know they really want to play that part that's when people start giving career best performances and that's, you know, that's when it really, it really gets that level of recognition.
0: Also something I noticed on the show that I really liked is really thick, strong Scottish accents. Nothing's diluted.
1: Yeah, we, we went for it a little bit. And uh, I mean, it's like, to be fair to know, you know, it was, it was the kind of, uh, it was really the actors. It wasn't so much, um, Doing, doing, my my stage directions. It was what, or the or the dialogue we're writing. As the actors went for it, and I think um, again having Dugray as lead guy, and him being from you know this part of the world and uh, immersed in that. It was like, and him being you know being over in America for years and playing. You know, Americans are or you know are playing kind of sort of um, kind of English toffs and all that. You know, so I think he just wanted to 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 do something in his own voice, and he, he found that very kind of empowering. Uh, and you had great, you had guys like um, like Jamie Service, who's like kind of Leith born and bred, like you know, and sort of um, and he's you know he just went for it. You know, he just sort of uh, and, you know. So you, you you if you have kind of that kind of force running through it, you know. Ken Stotts, kind of Edinburgh, born and bred as well, you know. And so, you know, and uh, and you know, Joanna's from Perth and all that. So, everybody was, you know, everybody was like very much um, not even um, not even Scottish, but specifically east of Scotland, kind of Edinburgh, east of Scotland. So, there's a real vibe that this was like um, this was all homegrown stuff.
0: Our mutual pal, Easton Ellis, said something really funny about screenwriting and getting projects made where he says now he'll write the script he'll take the check and if they get made it's a fucking miracle and he's just used to it now and it took time to accept but he just knows that's the way it is so i was wondering how is this how has this been for you coming into the TV and film world, I think you said crime has been in development for five years. So how is it getting used to all that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I've kind of worked on three HBO shows and none of them got made. And I worked on one AMC and one FX one. And it was, you know, it was, you know, Oh, you know, I got well paid for it, so it was nice. And uh, but you want things to get made. But the the thing that I did get from it, I, I worked with really brilliant people. You know, I, I worked with some fabulous um, people, and uh, you know, and some you know some people who kind of um, maybe weren't that great in that world, but they were just really interesting. But the 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 executives, the people that were actually uh, were making stuff at HBO. You could see how how that how that was such a successful uh, business, basically, mm-hmm. because the people that were working there were just so smart, and they just knew exactly what they were doing, and they were very bold. Um, and uh, so it was a it was a real fabulous education for me. And I don't you know it's like, <clears throat> and it kind of feeds into this. You know, it's like everything that you do kind of prepares you for the next thing that you do. So it was a great opportunity, and. Um, it kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's enabled this to be made, basically. It's enabled us, you know, it's, it's enabled me to get to the, the level of confidence that I've got in this, this whole kind of process of, um, of kind of, you know, not just kind of, you know, not just screenwriting or, or, or TV writing, but kind of um, getting to that whole level of confidence uh, within the film industry and the, the, within, within TV and film production. Uh, so... Yeah, it was it was fabulous, but um, it's you know it's that that's that is the thing you know the, the, the thing about being a writer and um, film and TV is that you're not everybody else is working on the film you know when you go to the wrap party you know you you, you talk to the, the DOP and the set designer the makeup um, and and uh, you know they're they're all working on them they're you know the actors they're all working on the film you're working on a script you know yeah which invariably won't. You know, usually it doesn't become a film or it doesn't become a tv show but uh, so there's a different thing you know so it's like you 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 kind of um you can't become isolated from the whole thing you you can't become the guy that just is called in to write another line or to do adr and all that so um uh, if you're really interested in the whole process you kind of probably you have to you have to also be a producer basically you have to get involved in that level too so that you have a you have a reason for being there and you have an input into the you know the, the, all the, the, the things around the show you know and uh, i mean i've been um i don't get too enmeshed in the business side but i'm kind of fascinated by it and i'm interested in it too so i will you know i will talk to to sales agents and distributors and all that kind of stuff as well you know so so as a you, you you have to kind of try and uh, broaden your education about the whole process as much as you can
0: were you working on a spring breakers spin off.
1: yeah so it was with jonas Ackerland and um it's um uh and um uh chris and rebecca uh and uh but um again it's one of these things that you know a script but nothing beyond script uh but uh the good thing about it is you know like i'm working with jonas on another tv project now so it's like you know these if you if you vibe, you know these relationships and a lot of the yeah. relationships that are made in America they stay with you you know they kind of they, they you know they, they, they there's there's um there's, there's always uh there's you know you know where all the good people are to 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 work with you know so it's it's that that's uh, the, the wonderful thing about it
0: yeah you and Jonas is a good pairing I really liked his Lords of chaos movie a lot
1: yeah yeah Jonas is great he's just uh he's like um he's just one of this in, just incredible um visual sense of everything you know and uh so as you know we've got a project um we're we're working on that we're kind of just getting to the we're, we're just at the early stages of it but we've um we did you know we, we worked on another show that never got done um and uh so we've got a kind of uh, we've got one of these long it's that kind of thing that the writer thing again, you have go on these long term invisible kind of um, careers, basically. Yeah,
0: I was wondering, as a novelist, how is it going from a writer working alone, to working with your writing partner, Dean Kavanagh, who has worked on lots of your film and TV writing projects?
1: Dean and I have done loads of stuff down the years, and um, it's just brilliant to to work with them because uh, it's one of these. It's like kind of um, it's a bit like being married to someone, you know, because it is like you know you're you're so kind of um, you know <laughs> what we lack in kind of sexual intimacy, we make up and kind of um, psychic kind of intimacy because you just you're just like. Um, you're just so tuned into each other's thoughts all the time. You know, you kind of, you, you know, you, you sit down, you work together, you finish each other's sentences, you wrap out all these ideas and you you kind of um, you support and encourage each other. And it's like we, you know, we're, we're both... Um, the thing about Dean is just so incredibly um, cinema and TV literate. He just watches and sees everything and reads everything and absorbs everything. So it's like... Um, there's a whole kind of Rolodex of characters, informations and scenes and all that and, and he's got the kind of memory that um he's got a memory that I don't kinda of have. He can he just can pull something out and reference it. Whereas my mine tends to be just a, it's almost like it just becomes an ingredient that melts into the soup straight away, you know. Right. Um, whereas this is much more bang, 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 bang. So the pair of us work really well together. Um, you know, I, you know, it's like um I can, you know, if I have an impulse of, of an idea, you know, start to frame it in certain ways and then we'll, we'll start to, we'll, we'll break it down and we'll say like, well, where can we go from this next and all that and uh, we'll we'll generate all these references or who usually generate the references and then we'll kind of move on um, from there and uh, it's just, um, it's just great fun. now was just up a couple of days ago to work on this other thing we're doing. It's just brilliant fun working with them. I just, you know, the, the, we can sit in a room for a couple of days and um, it, it feels like it just goes past in no time at all, but we've just got all this stuff we've generated. You know, we've got all these scenarios and characters and scenes and um, and ideas for new things that come out of the things that we've just done, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's just brilliant. And it's one of the great things about being back in the UK is that we can do much more sort of um, intricate face-to-face stuff rather than, you know, him coming over to Miami for a couple of weeks, and me, me going over to Bradford for a couple of weeks. It's like, um, now we can just we can do this almost weekly. Yeah.
0: And how was it for you as a writer? Um, obviously, it was such an isolated, singular f- thing that you do? How, how was it letting someone into the process? Were you initially open to that? Or, di- or was there some teething problems?
1: Um, well, I think, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about when you write for screen and, you know, writing novels, you know, you're just left on your own. Yeah. There's nothing that, um, you know, you you, bu- you bung it in and the editor will have a few comments or maybe even not, you know, and it'll maybe go straight to the line edit and uh, you go through, you know, you go through it with the editor and then it comes out basically just practically as it's, as it's written. Um, and um, whereas the, uh, you know, it's like the, is such a collaborative thing that um, everybody has a, a view on your on your script. Like, you know, the tea boil come and sort of put some comments and read on, on the script. You know, they just you know, it's like um, and they'll probably be the best comments that you that you read as well. <laughs> you you would go for them rather than the producers sort of comments. But you know, everybody's gone everybody's kind of um input into it. But um, so you have to really um, you know, it's like the the, the further up the kind of chain you go, the more serious people you work with. You know, when you, yeah. you, when you start off, you work with people who want to be producers. And maybe, you know, there maybe somebody's got a trust fund and have opened an office and they've kind of, they've paid 500 quid for a producer's credit and an indie film and they've got these indie posters spotted, you know, around their office, framed yep. up. Yeah, you know, so I know them. Yeah. yeah. And they're, you know, they're, so they're, they're producers and then they'll hit um, kind of Creative England or some screen local screen thing for a a few grand and all that and they'll kind of you know so it's um so you work with these guys and they're you know the you know everybody's got to start somewhere but usually kind of they're pretty useless basically you have a few good nights out and a good laugh and all that but it's not a lot not a lot happens but if you get a decent um producer with a good track record who's really serious about what to do and a kind of extensive set of con uh, contacts and it's not in it because he wants to shag some starlet, or something like that, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, it's just brilliant and just, you know, you, you know that um, you at least have, you know, you, you might, you know, there's you, still, the chances of it getting made are still kind of not, kind of ma- massively high, but you've given yourself a much better shot, you know, and you're and you're actually going to learn something that you're going to take on to the next um,
0: step. And how did you guys go about tackling the, creation record story um well we
1: were quite fortunate we we're both uh, good friends of Alan's before like you know so it was like there was a level of um I think there was you know because I, I you know I'd, I'd sort of um I'd known Alan for a long time and I'd kind of known everybody in you know, known a lot of people in the, the creation records thing I was actually um I was even signed to Creation Records myself at one time for their dance imprint eruption. Um, so I kind of have a had a, a decent knowledge of um, you know, a lot of the people were, were friends, basically, you know. So there's a level of trust and a level of responsibility as well to kind of get it as, as accurate as you can, but to also to be accurate to the spirit of it, but to um, to be accurate to the spirit of the times, and to try and get the sense of um, of what it was, you know, and, and and what the whole thing was about. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was Again, it was it was fun. It was uh, Dean and myself. Just you know, we just took off um, in isolation, and then we, we got the script, and um, we we hooked up with Nick Moran, who was the director, and we just started kind of you know brought him into the to, to the fold, and then we, he just started you know as, as directors do he took it up and, and ran with it and um and it was you know it was like like all indie um projects it was you know there's all this kind of money hassles and you think it's never going to cross the line and then you know you get more money from somewhere and uh, i mean nick was um i think nick was editing a kebab shop in bermondsey but um we we got back into you know we got more money and we we're able to finish off all the the, the posts and all that sort of stuff. So, so I was you know you do fly by the seat of your pants a lot of the time, you know. But um, it's one of these ones that I was glad that I wasn't a producer on it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I really liked the way you approached it. You, you did, as you said, you'd really captured the essence of it, but you had that kind of magical, playful, hedonistic approach, similar to the way like Twenty Four Hour Party People took on the Hacienda era.
1: What what gutted me about it was that um, it, you know it, it, what, we could only show it streaming because of lockdown. You know we couldn't we couldn't get um, the cinemas were shut. We couldn't get we, we had a we had a, a decent cinema release lined up, and I felt that it was one of these films a bit of benefited from people being able to see it together on mass. You know, it,
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it, it could have been a cultural event, and it could you know, and it's I mean it did really well. Streaming, but I just don't like the idea of people sitting, you know, around with a few tins of beer on their couch. I wanted people to go out to the cinema and then go to the pub afterwards and go to a club and all that, you know, go and see a band after. I just felt that that's what it was. It was, we'd kind of written a night out really rather than a night in. Right.
0: And Ewan Bremer was so great. I think he's, I saw him again. I got invited to see the Restoration of Naked, the Mike Lee film at the BFI. And and I came away to thinking, man, Ewan Brammer is so fucking great. He's such a great character actor, and I think he's brilliant.
1: I mean, that that's so. When I saw him in naked, that's the first time that I'd, I'd seen him, you know. And he's he's not. He lives fairly close to me in Edinburgh. He does live fairly close to me, but um, and I said to, um, I said, him, him and Susan Biddler were the kind of runaway couple, um, and I said to both. Um, uh, Ian Brown, who was the director of um, the the Traverse Theatre, who was putting yeah. in the play, I said, "You've got to get these two in this play, yeah, you know, because they're, they're completely east of Scotland. You know, and normally it's like west of Scotland accents when you when you see Runaways in, in in London and all that Scottish Runaways. So you've got to get these two And then he, he said, um, "And I said the same to Danny. You know, you've got to kind of get you and Susan involved in it, like you know." So. Um, it was it was great that
0: they, they both were and of course his performance in Julian Donkey Boy is just incredible
1: oh it's brilliant you know I mean he's just it's just amazing he's he's, he's a, just a, a fabulous actor and he is I mean he's he's like um, he's so he's, he's he was you know he's, he was kind of from He was really made to work with directors like Harmony Corrine, people who've got that Mm. kind of, um, that sort of, um, you know, very singular kind of voice, basically, you know. And uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, he's just a fabulous actor. In in Trainspotting, too, I think he was just the the whole, um, you know, he he just played this kind this guy who was, he was kind of fucked and knew he was fucked. He had mm-hmm. all that kind of pathos and sort of, um, and de- he was really the, the storyteller. He was the main kind of the moral center of that for them, like you know. So tremendous actor, yeah.
0: Um, just one thought to end on. I was thinking it's strange thinking back that you emerged at a time when authors were as important to the culture as filmmakers and rock stars and. It was great seeing people like you, Brace Ellis, Will Self, um, Elizabeth Wurzel at like, you know, music parties, film premieres, red carpets and stuff. And looking back, that kind of seems like an impossible time now. Or even when I was thinking, when I bought Train Spotting and stuff, those type of things were just available in HMV and Virgin Megastore had like a bigger. Like the classical section would be as big as the book section or something in the stores and I'd pick up like you, Alan Warner. I even found the bloody Dennis Cooper graphic novel in a Virgin Megastore bin one time and it just doesn't it just seems everything's shifted.
1: Yeah, I mean well, you know, it's different times and it is like um culture in general is um it's just really because it's it's a media culture rather than a street culture now and it's you know it's um it's it's blended out really basically and it's it's unfortunate but um you know you're hoping that um if there's one good thing that can come out of COVID and the sort of you know, and the the death of um, capitalism, basically, <laughs> and, uh, and global warming and the extinction of the human race, there might be some. There might be a re-emergence of culture again.
0: <laughs> and what what are you working on next? What are you excited about?
1: Uh, I'm. I'm excited. I've written. Um, we're doing a transport musical with Phil McIntyre. I've written original songs with um, my music partner Steve, and we've written fourteen originals. I think we'll try and license um, Born Slippy and uh, Lust for Life to bookend it, so they've got to, you know open and closing a bit of familiarity. But we've done all these different songs um, that's kind of tied into the narrative of it. And the the, the funny thing is that because it was a musical, it's a West End stage musical. Um, I've kind of have rewritten the, the whole thing, and I thought that um, I thought that you know I, I wanted to make it. Um, I wanted to try and pitch it in between the book and the film in terms of tone. I wanted to make it you know not quite as dark as the book, but a wee bit darker than the film. You know, um, and I've actually made the, the thing darker than the book. You know, it's really bleak. You know, it's, it's got a lot of new characters in it, and um, it's quite different in a lot of ways. But uh, I mean. Oh, god, I think I'm gonna to have to have a another draft again to tone it down. I seem to, I seem to be getting kind of um darker in old days rather than lighter. I don't know, what maybe it's just the times we're living
0: Yeah, I think so. So they are singing uh
1: the... We're singing all my daft songs, basically, like, you know. So that'll be we're, we're um we're mid-December we do uh we do the um the casting for it. You know, we've got the the music supervisor on board. We've got a director. We've got a great director. She's brilliant. Um,
0: okay, okay.
1: And uh, you know, so we're, we're we're kind of you know we're just got to get you know we're, talk, we're talking to choreographers now and um, set design people and all that. So we're, we're we're knocking on with this. Maybe this time next year,
0: we're,
1: it, it might be out. like
0: okay. yeah. Hamilton with heroin. That's your <laughs> that's your elevator pitch.
1: It's it's you know it's like. A, but there is, there is, it's going to be quite full on, like you know. So um, it will be a, it'll be a strange experience for the best end I think.
0: That sounds spectacular. Uh, I'll, I'll try and reunite my high school class and bring them back for. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: would be, that would be the way to go. Yeah.
0: That would to be great. Okay, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Evan.
1: Lovely talking to you. Steve.
0: Thank you, buddy. Keep up the great work.
1: Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye.
0: Irvin Welsh, thanks for listening. Thank you to my podcast engineer, Ewan Henselwood. Joshua Eustace, aka Telephone Tel Aviv, for my beautiful music. Thank you for you guys for listening and making this show what it is. Deeper into movies. See you next time.